Hello everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Crystal Clodcast. I just had to stop and think about what episode number we were on, <laughs> because we've only, ju- when you listen to this, we've only just put out episode one. We've not even heard episode two feedback yet, so it, <laughs> I had a little moment of, have we really done four of these already? <laughs> Apparently so. I'm Laura, I'm your host here as ever this week. You can find me on Twitter, at Laura K Buzz. I am also here with Retta. And you can find me on Twitter at SuperRata. And Mia. Hello, you can find me at OmiaGod. And this is the first episode we've recorded since we put the podcast up, which means that we now actually have social media and things to tell you about. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter at CrystalClodcast, which... You probably could have guessed through context, but it's fine. We did it. So it's also an easy way to find our Twitter handles. Yeah, yeah. our Twitters are on there as well. Um, we've already had people going to us there on Twitter and telling us all sorts of things that we didn't notice. Um, so I'm going to bring some of those up in a little bit and try and mention some people's Twitter Twitter thoughts and things. So if you tweet us at Crystal Clogcast, there's a good chance we'll mention the things that you bring up to us. So uh, mm-hmm. I had a quick look. There's some good theories and, and comments. Is, are there, there any particular that stood out to you? I liked the um, one... The, on the first episode, when we were kind of theorising about the, um, the Is this eyeball... About, oh, about the eyeball, yes. yes, the red eye. Yes, so there's some information about what it actually... Like, it appears again later uh, on? It shows up later, apparently. The red eye that we talk about in the first batch of episodes turns up um, in the, the, the arc of episodes about the human zoo. It's floating mm. around where the, those rotating hand things are around mm. the space station. Apparently, it does seem to be an unmanned ship. I think the most interesting thing I saw pointed out on Twitter, and I apologise that I don't have the name in front of me, but if it's you, you know it's you, and I'm sorry that I've not (laughs) shouted you out by name. Um, There is a canon explanation given by the show creators about, again, about that first batch of episodes, about what the deal with that scroll was that started to scream as it was burned. Okay. Um, the, the, The paint that was used to paint on that scroll was made from ground up gems were used as pigment. Okay, that's So <laughs> it's, yeah, kind of dark. Um, apparently the whole deal with this, according to the showrunners, is that was a scroll painted with crushed up gem. It's the smallest possible amounts of gem fragments. It's not something that had a singular consciousness. Probably would have been irreparably beyond saving. Yeah. But that was also some kind of, there was something living in it, even if it wasn't a single recoverable consciousness. That's disturbing. Yeah, that's kind of disturbing. (laughs) And that kind of makes some sense of why Garnet was probably like, yeah, it's probably worth destroying this because, you know... I can't save any of these these gems at this point. Um, So that's interesting, but... We've jumped ahead of ourselves here. This Today's episode, we are going to be talking about episode 16, Stephen the Swordfighter, episode 17, Lion to the Movie, episode 18, Beach Party, episode 19, Rose's Room, and episode 20, Coach Stephen. Uh, also, we have seen up to, let me just get this information, we've seen up to episode 121, Rocknaldo. So, who wants to start us off on 16, Stephen the Swordfighter? 
Um, not me, because my notes are closed. That's, that's all right. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm the one that's ready here for this one. So um, I like the fact that this episode starts off with Stephen watching basically anime. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I love how many kind of little references there are to this obviously being anime, including like the yellow subtitles, which like yes. every anime in the 90s had yellow subtitles. Yeah. So what I, what I liked about that, him watching anime, that's really interesting is he's someone with magical powers that's watching a thing about people with special magical powers and he's aspiring to it. I think it's nice that it's... He's still a kid that even though he has literal magic powers, is like, no, I, I still want to aspire to be these magical yeah, people like, above like, me. Yeah, like how cool these characters are. Yeah, he doesn't want to be cool himself. He wants to be that cool person he's watching mm-hmm. on the screen that seems to make <laughs> it look effortless. Um, he's doing the thing that he does in a lot of episodes we've seen so far of trying to show the things that interest him to the gems yeah. and they don't quite yeah, get it. Yeah. One thing that I do really like is that he's using Garnet's hair as a pillow. I know, <laughs> it's a really sweet little family it, dynamic. It is like a cute little image yeah. like all together, kind of cuddling. Um, I, it's one of those things that I think the reason they don't get it is because they have control of their powers. There's no aspirational quality to watching mm. that for them. It's mm. like... Oh, we could just fight stuff ourselves. Why would we need to dream of being human man with sword? <laughs> I do like Pearl pointing out how kind of boringly obvious the plot is. Yeah. Like, mm. Stephen's kind of amazed. Oh my god, like, what a twist. And Pearl's like, it's the, kind of obvious the, the whole time. The janitor is on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> He's right there, like, kind of looking on ominously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, what I like about this episode in terms of the stuff we get with Pearl... It's our introduction, it's our first proper look as per, at Pearl as an elegant, skilled, precise fighter. Mm. Mm-hmm. And a teacher as well. Yeah. yeah. She is someone who's in control. She is, she is someone who would have been formidable in a war. She is mm-hmm. very, very adept at not getting hit and murdering things. Yeah, because she critiques the anime for having kind of unrealistic swordplay. Yeah. Because she's obviously been trained. She knows how to properly fight using a sword, as she demonstrates. Which ties into the whole thing of Stephen is reluctant to learn the proper technique of sword fighting because he wants to look cool. He doesn't want to know about (laughs) centre of balance and proper, like, sword fighting technique. He wants the boomerang blade. Yeah, like, do the boomerang blade. Like, that's the reason he wants to watch. Yeah. Pearl's doing it because she seems to really relish the idea of, I get to be a teacher again, and I get to mm. show Stephen how to do this, and she's very enthusiastic. Stephen's just like, do the cool thing that we were just watching. I, I think it's like... Oh, yeah, go on, Rachel. One thing that I wanted to... Um, well, it's more of a question than something, but anyway. Who taught Pearl how to sword fight? I assumed that she knew how to anyway. I don't know, because if you think about like the other pearls that we have met, they are more like administrative people. Well, the ability to summon a spear is something mm. she can do as a as a pearl. So I would assume that pearls generally are crafted with the ability to know how to use at least a melee weapon that is like a pole arm. So I don't know how much of that translates over to sword play. I do wonder, like, I guess what you were getting at, Retta, is I do wonder if Rose taught her. Yeah, that's oh. what... Like, that's is, what I, is a, is I can't sp- believe I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, did like, Rose teach her how to fight with a sword? Yeah, like, is a spear a pearl's default weapon, but she knows how to do a sword because she idolises Rose, whose weapon is a sword? That's probably a really good point, actually. So, <laughs> And it would make a lot of sense out of her feelings of connection to Rose's sword when it eventually shows up. Mm, and yeah, and she kind of says that it should be 
Yeah, it should be hers. Yeah, it should yeah. be mine because. And we get Rose's sword in this batch of episodes as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, I, watching Stephen try and learn how to sword fight reminded me of any time you try and teach a child, like a child has a hobby they want to do because they see the cool end of it. Yeah, it's like I want to learn guitar because I saw some guitarist do a really cool mm-hmm. twiddly thing, and then it's okay. Practice your basic scales, and they're like, "Oh, this sucks. What am I learning?" It's, Which, yeah, it's exactly yeah. what I did as a kid. Like, yeah. oh, I want to learn guitar. Like, okay, this is kind of boring now. I can't do the good thing right away. Uh, never mind. I'm pretty sure that's every child <laughs> who ever tries to do anything. Um, and then we have kind of an out of nowhere dark moment that I don't think anyone watching this for the first time sees coming, which is. Stephen's childish behaviour distracts Pearl and she gets stabbed. Yeah, like through the shadow silhouette, you see the sword straight through her body. It's, yeah. it's implied to be, like, the implication, like, if you've not watched this episode before, is, yep, Pearl's straight up dead. Yeah, they, they very clearly want to give you the kind of gut just, reaction of, oh my god, Pearl's dead. Yeah, for just <laughs> half a second, just, just... Yeah, that's Pearl yeah, dead. She's done, yeah. yeah. Because of Stephen, yeah. one of the main characters, is dead. Which would have made a really good motivation for Stephen <laughs> being like, I need to serious up. Mm-hmm. One thing that I found um, interesting about it, it's one of the only times that we know as much as Stephen does. Mm. So our reaction is also, oh my god, did, did Pearl just get killed because of something Stephen did? Yeah. And I think it's really interesting, there's... There's a really nice contrast with Stephen bef- before and after the information of, of regenerating gems comes to Stephen of... Initially, Stephen believes his childishness killed Pearl. He is distraught. He is like, this is my fault. I should have done better. This is all my fault. Yeah, there are tears in his eyes. Yeah. yeah. He is crying. He thinks he's killed Pearl. He needs to be more serious. And then two weeks later, in contrast... He's impatient at her still being dead. How dare you still be dead? I'm. You're making me wait for you, Pearl. What's taking you so long? I think it's because it's his first experience of having, like, not so much death, but, like, a loss of someone, even for any amount of time. Because, like, his mother he never met, obviously. Mm. So he's never had that. He always knew that she wouldn't be coming back because he'd always been told that. Mm. But this is his first ever experience of a gem being popped yeah. like into that, the original like, gem. That is a really interesting observation that Stephen is aware of gems dying and not coming back. So he knows it can happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Like Learning that gems can come back after death, considering he doesn't really get the whole deal with like he is half of his mum is in him at this point, probably. Mm. I wonder if there is a moment of wait, does that mean my mum could come back? Oh, like, maybe. Does, I'm does do we know if he if he understands that distinction? I would have thought they'd have explored that. Like it's a good point. I'm mm. surprised they didn't go into that. That they didn't go into a does that mean my mum can regenerate? Mm. Mm, no, she's kind of trapped in you. <laughs> I do really like that we see Pearl's gem. He's been treated like an egg. It's kind oh, yeah, of that's what I thought. Bird <laughs> mum. Yeah. It, it, it plays into the whole thing of her being referred to as bird mum because she's she's an egg. Yeah, with a heat lamp. It's also really like naive of Stephen to be like, yeah. well, if I look after it really well, I'll put it in a basket, have it all swaddled up nice and warm, put a heat it's, lamp on it. It's yeah. so Stephen though. He's trying really hard to be responsible. Yeah. And he's like, what do I do with a precious small round thing that needs help to, to rehatch? I love well, the idea that Pearl 
like a hatch out of the gem. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to. There's probably art of that. I want to see that now. Um, So Stephen's missing of Pearl seems to be really surface level at first. In that he he's trying to replace her with a hollow pearl because it's like you're not pearl I know that but you can you could do the pearl things and then maybe I won't I won't miss you so much it's okay mm. like he's mm. trying to replace very surface level things rather than pearl as a person yeah yeah it's like the image of pearl like yeah. it, it looks like her it kind of talks like her she's kind of still here I think it's more to do with the role that pearl plays in his life. Because he's kind of like, everything's a mess now because Pearl isn't here and That's she true. always organised everything. He does everything. say, like, it's a mess. Like, Pearl only cleans stuff. Why don't you clean things? I feel like he is trying to take Pearl's position in some regards in that he's trying to become the teacher of this is how you do things like Pearl would. He's mm-hmm. trying to teach this this hollow Pearl how to be Pearl, which is the kind of thing that Pearl usually does. They're trying to teach, here's how you do the Pearl things. Mm. It's another um, thing of Stephen trying his best to do something. Mm. Like, he is trying his best to make Hollow Pearl act like the real Pearl. Because he doesn't... Like, I know he knows that it's not Pearl, but he has this kind of disconnect where he's kind of like, if I can get Pearl to act... Like, if I can get Hollow Pearl to act like... Then maybe I won't miss Pearl Yeah, then maybe it won't be such a big deal and it'll keep me going until she revives herself. Can we discuss what Hollow Pearl is? Because I mm. barely understand what Hollow Pearl is. So I have I had a question about this as well. Because initially my assumption about Hollow Pearl is that it's like a projection that Pearl is making. Yeah. That Pearl requires like a conscious manifestation, like awareness to manifest. But it persists beyond her being bubbled. Exactly. Yeah. She's obviously not channeling Hollow Pearl. It's mm. almost like she builds her and then she exists as a physical thing beyond yeah. her. I initially thought, is it a piece of gem tech that's producing mm. this? But the problem is, is that Stephen is able to completely dissipate it by wafting it away, and there's no, seemingly no piece of tech generating it. Yeah, I don't think so. It does seem that it seems like it's made of light refraction, the same yeah. as the gems are. But yeah. then, what's generating it? Yeah, I, I had one thought. Pulling back to something we discussed, I think this might have been in the first episode of the podcast. You know that temple that was surrounded by all the flowing water? Mm. And we had the discussion of, can gem abilities persist beyond the deaths of the gems? Because we were asking, is it possible that a bunch of lapises were used to generate all these waterfalls? The lapises clearly aren't here anymore. Can the magic they've done persist beyond their passing? And that's my... If we assume that's right, my thought would then be, if Pearl generates a hollow pearl... Can it persist beyond her death? Do gem abilities persist once they've passed away? Which then ties into one other thing I was thinking about. Sorry, I know I'm going down a tangent (laughs) here. It would potentially explain... We've been taking for granted somewhat that Pink Lion is somehow magically created by Rose. Mm. It would make sense that if Pink Lion is able to still exist, if that's the case, that... Rose's magic persisted beyond her passing. Like, I'm just thinking, is this a possible line of succession? I think so. I Like, that makes sense to me. I think we have enough evidence to say that this, that what the gems create persists through death. I think that makes sense. Mm. The only other thought I very quickly had is, 
if what Rata said was right, that it's just, you know, a light refraction, mm. what could be generating it? Possibly Pearl's gem. That's what I was going to say mm. as well, because um, one of the things that I was thinking is Pearl doesn't actually come back until it has completely dissipated, until Stephen's got rid of it, like, completely. Yeah. So is that the reason it takes her so long to come oh, back? Because, because she's having to have part of her energy focusing on creating. She's incomplete. Yes. Yeah. She doesn't have all of the energy needed to reform herself because part of her energy can't be reset because it's off doing something else. Absolutely. Which could be, like, why Rose couldn't reform because Stephen... Has the rest of her. Does does that potentially mean if and when Stephen eventually passes away that Rose could reform? Possibly. That's a weird, depressing thought. (laughs) Um, So, uh, an interesting thing about Stephen, like partway through this episode, his focus is not on Pearl recovering as best she needs to. His focus is on I'm being made to wait. I'm being kept waiting, mm-hmm. why are you keeping me waiting, rather than what's wrong, what's stopping you reforming. It's a very inward-facing set of concerns. It's like the child being like, you know, why aren't you back from work now? Like, mm. I don't understand that you need to do this and you want to be back, you just physically can't. It's just like, yeah. I, I want you back, I need you back, like, where are you? Yeah. Um... I do... Oh, yeah, go on, Rector. I have another point that I found quite interesting and very Stephen-like, is that he doesn't care when Hollow Pearl stabs through his toy. (laughs) He only cares when she destroys the tree that Pearl likes. Well, no, Justin, doesn't he say when the toy or the TV or something... It's a TV when he says, why must you destroy the things I love? Why must you destroy the things (laughs) I love? So, like... Yeah, it's inconsistent what he... Because he, he just doesn't seem to react. But like when she destroys a tree, he actually gets oh. angry. And he's I, kind of like, why did you do I, that? Pearl yeah, would never do he that. He definitely seems more upset by the tree being destroyed yeah. than any of his things being destroyed. I, I have a thought about why the toy is unimportant, the tree is important, and the TV is important. The toy is unimportant because that's his. The tree is important because it's pearls. pearls. The TV is important because it's a thing that he shares with they the gems. Share together. Yeah. They don't share his toys, they share the TV. That makes sense. Yeah, that's On the good topic point. of the tree, did anyone else think it looks remarkably similar to the tree inside yeah, Lion? Yeah, it's the tree inside... <laughs> when we get to Rose, like the, the area inside Lion, it's the same tree. Mm-hmm. So presumably there's something there, maybe that was Rose's favourite tree? Did Rose plant that tree? Quite possibly. Like, and that could be... Rose could have... Yeah, she could have grown the tree and that's why it's pink. We, maybe inside Lion, maybe that space is Rose duplicating that physical spot yes, because she likes that space. It's definitely not the other way around because we know that Pearl was unaware of the hidden room, of the hidden space inside yes, Lion. exactly. So yeah. it would have to be that Rose replicated the tree rather than the tree being grown. Yeah, because it looked like... Yeah. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, things... It's another episode where Stephen gets into trouble because of thoughtless use of words that he says. <laughs> All you want to do is fight me. Mm-hmm. Obviously it, activating yeah. the, the fight module. Yeah, Stephen once again does not realise, like, oh, be very careful with your use of words around Gemtech because Gemtech is very literal mm-hmm. in how it will interpret what you say. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another thing about um, Gems being very literal because, obviously, before we had the thing when... 
Stephen's trying to tell a joke about Pearl throwing butter out of a window. I didn't and she's, do yeah, that. Why would you say that? Are you <laughs> telling lies? Yeah. And I think it's that thing, like, he doesn't realise that by saying something, it takes it at face value rather yeah. than realising mm. what he's trying to get at. Um, so I like that we almost get a lesson learnt here and then not. So we get his moment of, oh, I need to be patient. You know, I need to just wait for Pearl to come back in her own time. I shouldn't have tried to turn this dangerous mm-hmm. hollow Pearl into Pearl. Pearl rematerializes and he instantly says, never mind, Pearl's back. <laughs> yeah, forget all that progress. Like, yeah. yay, she's back, celebrate the end. <laughs> and then he does the most childish thing I think we've seen him do all series so far, but he gets a pan and a wooden spoon Pearl's back, Pearl's back, Pearl's back, Pearl's back. Yeah, and kind of, like, seems to expect Pearl to like that. Yeah. Like, when Pearl appears, he's like, oh, there's this thing that I'm going to do. I planned this in my head. I need, need to fulfill. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. His, his well-thought-out plan is I'm going to tie my shirt around my head and hit a pan with a wooden spoon <laughs> and tell Pearl she's back. I think, in a way, it, it's his way of showing how happy he is. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a grand gesture that he's putting on. Like, it's a performance. Like a parade, almost, to it's celebrate cute. him coming back. Yeah. Uh, do we have anything else on episode 16? I thought it was... Um, the Hollow Pearl was very like Pearl in that it was kind of forcing Stephen to learn fighting methods whether he wanted to or not Mm. it was kind of like no you need to learn this thing so you will learn this thing it's true because he does defeat it by countering basically with the mop yeah Yeah. with the mop that's how he defeats it because he he does the parry thing that it's been teaching Mm. him the whole time for an opening yeah i think that's a theme we see a couple of times in this batch of five is Stephen needs to learn things and magical beings will be like, right, we're going to take you to a place and we're going to make you learn. Because mm-hmm. uh, we get the same with, I think it's the next one, Lion to the movie. Yes, which is kind of the same sort of thing. Yeah, should we should we move on to 17? Or are one we... more thing. One more thing. When Pearl comes back, she has changed her outfit. She doesn't have the flowy tutu skirt anymore. It's now like a solid one with a big sash around the waist. Yeah. Which is more like a kimono, like the movie that she was watching with Stephen. I completely missed that. That's a really yep. good point. She becomes more like the kind of sword fighter that... Stephen would have wanted and it's a really small gesture that completely flies past Stephen I think mm-hmm. completely flew past me <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah next up we have episode 17 Lion 2 the movie who wants to start us off on this one I love the dog copter trailer. Yeah, dog copter three in three D. It's hilarious. It's such a good parody of like the, the super melodramatic kind of action movie superhero yeah. type trailers. Uh, I, I I like when um, Connie is reacting to the trailer, and so far we've seen her be very like she is the mature one of the children. Mm. Until it's like, did you see where that missile came from? <laughs> yeah, and she blushes. Yeah. She blushes, she giggles, she's like, ah. she is still a child at heart. Mm-hmm. Which mm. is often easy to forget with Connie. I did think it was interesting how, just from the way that the gems talk to Connie here, it seems implied that she has been back a few times. Yeah. So in between her first appearing when we last saw her, and now it seems that the friendship has developed yeah. more. But they don't need to exp- expressly show that. Like no, They course. show that, like, okay, they're friends and the gems are aware of this. Mm-hmm. I also like the fact that that dog copter trailer does have... Uh, the protagonist is a teenage girl. 
Which yes. it's like, ah, oh, all too few action plot busters with teenage girl protagonists, so mm-hmm. go Dogcopter. Yeah. That's a franchise <laughs> I would subscribe it's to. It's a nice kind of small gesture. I also love the fact that Dogcopter is a book. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, this is an adaptation of a book. <laughs> but I also like that that's very fitting with Connie's character because... She reads. Yeah, she, books. she mentioned before that, like her version of Friends was just sitting somewhere quiet and reading books. I, I am trying to picture the the novelisation of, of Dog Copter <laughs> where it's like, and then Dog Copter's propellers came out the back of his head and he pooped out a missile. Um, so Connie at this point clearly hasn't been around the gems too much because she's still shocked by magic. She mm. is surprised, she is... She feels daunted in the presence of magic because it's something big and grand that she feels like makes her unworthy to be there. Because we've got the two examples of transformations and you have a pet lion. (laughs) I do really like that Stephen and Connie both see magic in terms of their friendship very differently. Mm -hmm. Connie sees magic as being like, oh, your world is so wonderful and amazing and I'm really boring and mundane. While Stephen's like, you're really cool and interesting, but my world is dangerous and ridiculous and you keep getting dragged into this. I'm very sorry about that. I have a thought on this and it's something I wrote down at the end of the episode, but it makes a lot of sense to talk about early. Sure. Both Connie and Stephen have insecurities about their friendship that stem from Stephen having magic powers. Mm -hmm. Connie Mm -hmm. feels unimportant because while she is capable, she doesn't feel like she has the potential that Stephen does. Mm -hmm. Stephen feels useless. He has the potential. He doesn't feel like he has the capability to capitalise on it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I really like when we get to Stevoni soon... When they come together, it's execution and potential come together as like, oh, the Connie half that is good at doing things and the Stephen half that has all of the magical abilities Mm. come together and make a really competent uh, (laughs) student. No, it's really good. It's like they cover each other's um, insecurities. Yeah. Yeah. So we just kind of jumped right ahead there. Um, So So back to the beginning of the episode. Yeah, I like that they sow the seeds so early on for Connie eventually becoming a sword fighter. Yes, tennis. Tennis is the foundation Mm -hmm. of the sword fighter. I completely forgot that her, like, interest and practice of tennis was the origin of this. me too. And she clearly has an interest in combat anyway, considering one of her tennis moves is called the overhead death strike. (laughs) I do like that. It, It seems like she's trying to kind of impress him. And then she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's, that one's not real. I might have made that one up. <laughs> I still think it's kind of cool that the way that she does it is she follows what she finds exciting. Because mm. I think that's another way that kind of shows that Connie is still a kid. In that she's like, oh, the most exciting thing is this. And then she, when she gets given the opportunity to follow on it, she's kind of like, yeah, I want to do sword training because that's like tennis that I find exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and she finds ways to take things that she's made to do and doesn't find interesting and finds ways to make them interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I've got to do tennis practice, but I guess I'll picture I'm swinging a cool sword around. Yeah. Um, so Lion runs off with both of them and takes them away. And I, Can I interject yeah. quickly? Yeah, go ahead. Stephen says a really interesting line in this bit. I like mm-hmm. that Connie says... Connie or Stephen say that Lion's not trained very well. And Stephen mm. says, I'm not trained very well either. 
Yeah, I had a thought on this. Go, Retta, go. That is when Lion starts running towards a room, which is a training room. That's, mm, yeah. That was when my, he says, yeah. I'm not trained very well. Lion kind of reacts and then goes, oh, train. You want to train? Yeah. Okay, I'll take well, you to the training I, I area. I wasn't sure if it was just a connection with the word train or training. Yeah. Or whether it was, I'm supposed to be here to protect Stephen. Stephen's not trained very well. I'll take him to the training area so he can protect himself so that he'll be safe because that's what I'm here to do. Possibly. Either one. If the trigger is definitely I'm not trained very well yeah. either, and then suddenly he runs to an armory, sure, but an armory that does contain it like all of those platforms coming out the floor definitely suggest it's like this is a training yeah, room. Absolutely. I definitely think where they end up is a training room. It also room. kinda looked like a bucket of popcorn as well that was attacking them, which made me laugh because <laughs> they were meant to be at the cinema. I never picked up on that, but that's a really good point. Um so this is just a side thought I had. Mm. When they're on the back of line running across the water, all that was going through my head was a whole new world from Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah. Examples of Stephen doing things that are a bit stupid and that could have got him into more trouble but luckily did not. He gets his hand stuck on the giant handprint in that room. His instinct is to put his other hand on it to try and push himself off. Mm -hmm. Luckily, the second hand does not get stuck. He's like, oh, my hand's stuck. I'll put another hand on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, where do we want to go from here? Either of you got a place to go? Well, I think, like we said, it's clearly a training room. So is this Rose's private training room? Um... Quite possibly. I have I have reasons to question whether it's Rose's room exclusively. Okay. The armour that we see, the big circle of armour, all of it looks very human armour, and all of it looks like it's not Rose's size or shape. That's true. So my question is, who was wearing that armour? Where did the armour come from? Who was it being saved for? See, my thing with that is that she is an ancient gem, and that she has collected it. She finds humans interesting. Oh, wow. is it a museum? Yeah. Is, is it there less for practicality and more for... This is what humans yeah, use. Yeah, this Wait. is what humans use. This, like, this is how they fight. I think it's yeah. a way to kind of like base like, their inventions to make their own mm. armours and stuff. That would make sense because the weapons that appear... Most of them are human. We mm-hmm. see the cannons, yeah. but when the, the rack of weapons appears, it is human weapons. So, I did have a thought that tied into that, which is I've had some interesting conversations with people recently about, in light of much later in the series when we get the Human Zoo episodes and we find out about um, Pink Diamond's attempts to collect humans and to try and keep them safe yeah. and to catalogue them like that... I've heard people argue that this is kind of like what Rose does. Not to, Rose doesn't do it to the same extent, but that she views humans a little bit like humans view, like, say, a dog, for example. Mm. In that some of the things we see about the way that Rose interacts with Greg, she's very patronising. She, uh, What's that song, the, um, the song that she sings with Greg, What Can I Do For You? Oh, when she says... Um, I, I, did... I didn't think I'd find you quite so entertaining. entertaining. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like the way you play. It's all of these... She talks about Greg in a way that's not necessarily healthy for a romantic relationship, at least at first. Mm. She definitely seems to view humans as amusing, lesser uses of her time. Mm. And I can certainly see how that would then tie back to, if this is a museum, she might have been cataloguing human things because, oh, it's just those those cute little humans... It, the armour especially seems to be um, armour throughout the ages, like the samurai armour and yeah. things as well. 
Yeah. So it's kind of like she's come across and been like, that's really interesting. I'm going to take that back to the museum. Yeah, it does seem like it's across different cultures and different it's, time periods. It's good that she never went to the extremes of taking humans for that collection. Yeah. She only <laughs> took things from a human. Like, she's a bit like the little mermaid in that she's collecting the like the forks and the books and things. <laughs> I have a little like human yeah. museum. Thankfully, there's no skulls in there mm. that we know of. For all we <laughs> I know, was there's thinking a, that for Stephen all we... doesn't know how to control okay. it properly. Well, for all we know, there could be human skeletons inside each suit of armor. She might have kept humans in their suits of armor, and they may have died. I hope not. I hope not too. But there would be not... a dark. You never pattern. know. <laughs> let's not discount the possibility she has a room full of skeletons. <laughs> I like that the hand that his hand gets stuck on is um, the symbol on Rose's shield. Yeah, it mm. was clearly a room designed for Rose. Yeah, um, or by Rose. Um, mm. Is the giant penny a Batman reference? Because that's how I, I took it. I had assumed it was a Batman reference. I wasn't sure quite what the significance would be. Like, was, were they trying to imply this was the Batcave? That's what I was thinking. Like, is this Rose's Batcave? Like a <laughs> private cave to get a train and like. Keep and, collection and keep that giant actually, pennies. That ties into the the armor theory more mm. because <gasps> it's her idea, bat suits. <laughs> well, the idea of like collecting because Batman collects kind of talismans of the people he defeats, basically. Like it, oh. the cave is almost like a museum of people that he's fought. The rogues gallery. Type yeah, thing. like these armors, people that Rose fought. I I don't. But they were definitely human though, because like when they've mentioned the war in much later in the future. Mm. They mention the gem armors, which is basically like armor with a conscience. Like they seem to have gems inside them. And either she's keeping (gasps) suits of gems. No, no, other other option. She had those suits of human armor armor to put those fragments into so that they could be her living armor. It would explain why she couldn't wear it, but that she might have kept it. It had a use, it wasn't for yeah, her. Yeah, if she could have imbued those with sentience. Mm. How many suits of armour were there? There were more than seven. That's what I was just thinking. I was like... <laughs> no, don't worry, I did count for seven. Um, there is more than seven suits of armour, unfortunately. Um, so when the, the giant bucket of popcorn starts attacking Stephen, and Stephen is like, get us out of here, Lion, the look on Lion's face to me said, oops, I fucked up. Yeah, let's get like, Stephen uh-oh. out of here. I fucked up. Yeah, it's interesting because when he first delivers them there, and Stephen asks Lion for help, Lion is completely apathetic. He yawns yes. and lays down, yeah, as if Lion's like, you know, you, you I, I always try. bring people here. Like yeah. nothing dangerous ever happens here. Like, and why like, are you oh, complaining? Oh, you're actually really underprepared. Okay, let's get you out of here. Yeah, it's almost like he expected Stephen to be as talented as Rose was, maybe. Yeah. Or to be Rose. Yeah, possibly. Um, so we get back to the cinema, the thing's attacking, and Lion produces a sword. Mm-hmm. That's out of his head, so it looks like Lion's been stabbed in the head with a sword. <laughs> it's really creepy at first. Um, so this is the first nod we get to that whole thing of Lion has a magical space inside of himself that things can be produced from. But it's... The only time that we're aware of, like, Lion producing something from Definitely. it. Definitely. This this clearly isn't an accident. Lion actually yeah. kind of crouches forward and is kind of like, here is the sword, here it is, take it. So could he not have just, you know, you know later when we get the episode where Lion keeps trying to sit on Stephen to get him <laughs> inside? <laughs> couldn't Lion just be like, here, here is everything from inside me? 
<laughs> just bath everything that's yeah, inside well, like, everywhere. Could he not have just... My interpretation wow. of that was mm. that Rose designed Lion to be able to present her with her sword, like a squire. <gasps> as if the lion's like... like yeah, as if Lion's kind of like, here's your sword, Rose, take it. But the things that... The room inside Lion is more Rose just being like, here's some things I, after these. I had a different read on it, which is that... Lion's intention or Rose's intention was that only Stephen would see the things in Lion. Mm. That this was like these things are inside of Lion. Stephen can go in there, get them if he wants. The only reason that Lion produces the sword is okay, I don't have time to explain that you can climb inside me and get stuff. Here's the sword. Okay, fine. The rest of this is meant, it's all meant to be secret stuff. I'm not meant to be showing that I can just give you things, but here's the sword. Protect yourself. I'll, I'll show you that there's a room inside me later. Okay, so your point of view is that the sword is with the other stuff? Yes. Oh, okay. That's my perspective, and that line's just like, okay, this it's meant to be a secret that I have all this stuff inside of me, but fine, here's the sword. <laughs> okay. Where do you stand, Rita? I don't know. Like, <laughs> You're I the deciding vote. <laughs> no, I have no idea. It seems... Really interesting that Lion can kind of move this on, but it also kind of reminded me of how like Pearl pulls weapons out of her head. Because oh, yeah, I was that's thinking, true. do pearls have the weapons to give to diamonds? Oh, maybe. Uh, and is not... that what she's recreating with Did they Lion? Present the weapons in the. Are they not manner? meant to wield them themselves? That's oh. what I thought. We have seen implications that Pearl, in kind of the caste system, pearls are very low down. Yeah, well, they're be... kind of like court jesters because well, yeah. it's kind of like sing, entertain. That's boom. true. We've not seen any pearls as fighters other than no. our pearl. Yeah, well, that's like Peridot is just kind of like, but you're a pearl. What you see, you. That's true. Yeah. So before we get onto the fighting, I realise we kind of skipped something when we mentioned the sword, which is talking about both the insecurities of Connie and Stephen. They both have those same insecurities about their friendship, and it's mm-hmm. really sad seeing them mm-hmm. both not feel. Deserving of friendship. Yeah, they both clearly care about each other and treasure their friendship, but they're yeah. both worried that they are damaging the friendship themselves. Yeah, they're kind of like, but why would you want to hang out with me? Yeah, because yeah. Stephen's like, everything around me is dangerous and I can't protect you from the dangerousness. Basically, he's having the insecurity that leads to full disclosure later on. Mm. And Connie's like, I'm just a human, why would you care? Yeah, like, like I'm boring and insignificant. And that gets pulled up later in the, um, oh, what's the song when she's learning the sword fighting? Yeah, do it for her? Yeah, it's, even though I'm just a human, yeah. I can draw my sword and fight. Like, her insecurity that comes back later is, I'm just a human, I'm not useful to you, why would you care? Oh, I can be a sword fighter, then you'll, I'll be deserving of your friendship. Yeah, she really falls into that unhealthy mindset that Pearl has, which is yeah. basically like, you are useless compared to this amazing oh, person. Pearl, Pearl cultivates that. Yeah. She's Absolutely, like, yeah. no, like, your value to Stephen is your willingness to lay down your life and mm-hmm. to be a willing servant. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is not healthy. Like no, Pearl, not really. Pearl likes to believe that she escaped being a servant in that caste system. But, but she still went and she, was a servant to someone oh, that she chose she, to be the yeah, servant she of. She cho- chose to be Rose's servant, basically. Because mm-hmm. uh, there is the whole argument there of, like, how much did Rose encourage that or ignore that? Like, was Rose aware that she was being praised like, so I feel much? like Rose had to be aware of it, which... Again, I really hope we eventually get to this being addressed in the show is that Rose was not good to the people around her. Yeah. Like, she's really... 
She treats Greg very patronisingly. She overlooked the fact that Pearl was, like, worryingly subservient to her. It wasn't... She didn't have a healthy set of relationships. No. No. I think Rose is someone that sees herself as the one that has to take all the responsibility and make all the decisions, which mm. is what we see with Bismuth as yes. well. She clearly, we talked about it last time, but she protects everybody else from the revelation and handles that on her own. Yeah. And mm. I wonder if her leading the Crystal Gems as well is her idea of being like, this is the kind of dangerous responsibility. I'm the one who will take this on me so you don't have to. One thing that it makes me wonder about is what is the rose quartz in the gem mm. system? I had because this... we haven't met another, yeah. and in the diamonds room, they've bubbled them all because of what. Yes, because of I, what Rose did. Yeah, I was, did. I was wondering the same thing as we were having this conversation. Like, what is a Rose's role in society? Because what do we what do we know about Stephen's powers? That probably tells us something about what we know mm. about uh, Rose. We know that. Roses can create shields and bubbles. The sword is not something that they materialise as a gem weapon. It is a physical Mm, weapon. So, like, roses are not intended to be be warriors. They are intended to shield, to defend, and to heal. Are they bodyguards, maybe? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I feel like they might be, like, the protection of the... Of the diamonds? I was thinking, are they bodyguards or are they medics? Because if they can defend someone while healing them, that plus that that pans into something that we do hear discussed about her role in the war, is that the reason why the rebellion, while so small, was able to fight off the rest of the army is that Rose was able to heal her soldiers. And because she was able to heal her soldiers... There was a never-ending supply of soldiers to keep coming back and fighting for the rebellion. And she could create more soldiers as well. I feel like like she might be like the leader of the armies and things. You know, like the commander of the armies that they have. I could see that as well. I I personally don't see it just because of the sort of... The kindness, the kind, loving nature of the way that she tries to present herself. I I feel like... Okay. You're (laughs) both welcome to disagree. In my head, it's like defend and heal medic role but i might well be wrong i could see both honestly yeah I it's think just that she also sense. has the power to make like like with steven and the the melon stevens mm. like all of them they are trying to fight like yeah, it's like an army yeah it is an army they they try to fight they don't try to defend or to heal i could see both i think yeah. both are good theories yeah. i think it could be either maybe they're made to be adaptable to the role that they are needed to play mm. yeah i'm i'm a little bit sad that we didn't get more of that in the uh, What's the Use in Feeling Blue song. Like, yeah. a Rose does w- what? <laughs> um, but I suspect, considering the the fact that Rose allegedly shattered Pink Diamond, I think we're inevitably going to get that explanation of what a Rose was for. I hope so. I think we're probably also going to see some of those roses in that room unbubbled at some Definitely. point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the last thing, kind of unimportant... Uh, I love the unfazed movie cinema host that's just like, okay, do you have a loyalty card? <laughs> and, and I love how Lion gets a pair of 3D glasses Yeah, as well. I was thinking that as well. So Lion's just there like, okay, I'll watch Dog Copter mm-hmm. with you. I um, love the idea of Lion actually like being paid for. Lion has a ticket. Like, two children, one Lion, please. Yeah, the, the, the host isn't just like, oh, you just saved us from whatever that thing was. Your Lion can go in free. Um, <laughs> no, Lion has to pay. 
Well, uh, he should To be ha- fair, he takes up a few seats. He shouldn't That's have true. to pay because he's the MGM lion at the end. That's true. Um, That's true. Do we have anything else to say on 17? Mm-mm. I'm done. That's all of my Okay. Friends. So next up is episode 18, Beach Party. Yep, it's got spikes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this is the first time that we really see Stephen permitted to help in a fight. Yeah. And the thing he does where he throws the bodyboard up, it's reminiscent of what he eventually starts doing with the shield, where he tries to use the shield offensively. Mm-hmm. But I just like that he, he hits it, and it's just... Yeah. It... Yep, I helped. It has spikes. We know that now because my bodyboard's impaled <laughs> on it. <laughs> I love it because it does absolutely nothing to help, but it's his way of being like, okay, that was useful. We yeah. know it has spikes now. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I helped. I didn't hinder us. We mm-hmm. have information. Mm-hmm. He's um, so cute. So, like, through no fault of their own, the group uh, damaged fish stew pizza. Mm-hmm. And, uh... We this is our introduction to the whole uh, fish stew pizza family. I think like I don't think we've really seen them before. This. We have been introduced to them and they've told us their names before because Stephen went in for some reason or another. Because I I remember mentioning it on a past episode. It was it was the episode where um he was trying to show off that lion existed. Oh yeah, and he was like, oh, there's a lion outside, so yeah. I need your fishiest pizza. Oh yeah. But this is like our first introduction we get that yeah. coffee is um. Angry, angry, angry dad that's like, mm-hmm. nope, you broke my shop. No pizza for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that otherwise the character we get the most characterization for is uh, Gunga. I agree. Yeah. yeah. She she definitely I seems... freaking love Gunga. She's awesome. <sighs> she's she's but wonderful. that doesn't appear to be her actual name. That's just their way of calling her, like, grandma. Yeah, it's a cutesy yeah. way of saying it. Yeah, because at one point they say her name, but I didn't quite catch it, yeah. and I was like... I, I don't know for certain, but my assumption is that it's a regional it's a regional term for Possibly, grandma. Yeah. Someone listening will probably be able to tell us, <laughs> yeah, that is that is just a term for grandma in such and such an area, but... Feel free to tweet us. Yeah, let us, <laughs> let us know how culturally unaware we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the gems get banned from the pizza shop. They're completely unfazed by the fact that humans apparently hate them. I really like how, when they're banned, very dark, disturbing music plays. Because <laughs> to Stephen, this is a horrible, horrible thing to have happen. Like, oh my god, we're, we're being banned, this is awful. So the music is very kind of disturbing. It's kind of another thing about Stephen really wanting the gems to like what he likes. Because mm. even though the gems are kind of like... So what? We don't eat. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Stephen's kind of like, yeah, but it's really important to me. And therefore, it's really important that you guys are allowed there. I think there are two things to his, his, the difference between Stephen and the gems in their responses. First of all, there's the surface level thing of, I love pizza. It's sad that you can't have pizza because I love pizza. But I think possibly the bigger thing is, it doesn't matter that you don't like pizza that is a group of human beings that you saved that now think badly of you, and that's bad. They should think well of you because you saved them. I am upset about this. It's the first time that Stephen is negatively impacted by something the gems have done. Mm. And I think that is why he's so, like, distraught over it. Well, it's reminiscent of the arcade. Yeah. Where they're all brought to the arcade to enjoy it. They don't really get it. And then Stephen ends up kind of having to deal with their mess. Yeah, because Mr. Yeah. Smiley's just like, what the hell? You just broke all the things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do think it's interesting that the gems are like, oh, humans are pissed off at us? Why Why would we care? Yeah. yeah. 
like Stephen obviously feels bad for it and he understands why he's being yelled at for it but the gems are just like oh well it's just human stuff yeah mm-hmm. that's unimportant doesn't stop us from saving the world yeah. um oh one more thing I wanted to mention that is before like we actually get to them falling out is that Amethyst calls Pearl a narc for telling them I Ella. noticed that as well <laughs> yeah, yeah. and Amethyst's laid back so, like her lay, really laid back solution is yeah, but it'll take a while to get back, so we'll deal with it when it gets back. It's just <laughs> yeah. we can deal with it later now. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's like so, it's gone. We'll leave it. So <laughs> there, there is a line I love that characterizes Kofi so well when they're turning up at the beach. How are you doing today? The shop is closed today because it is broken. <laughs> <laughs> like the most passive aggressive thing you could possibly it's, say. It's just very matter of fact. It's just like the pizza shop is closed today because it is broken. <laughs> I did like how one of them mentioned, I've never seen this side of the beach before. Yeah. yeah. A, a very quick glimpse being that presumably humans don't come round this area before. Which, is that similar to what we see when Greg first goes there? Isn't it fenced off? Or... Yeah, I assume it's probably just that there's local law of like, oh, you just don't go around that side of the beach. You either can't go there or you shouldn't go there. And it's just... The, the rumblings around town are just like, don't bother going around there. We know the postman goes there. So that's that's what I was going to say. The postman goes there. And it also makes sense why we see Connie there. Because oh, it's a secluded quiet. place that's quiet. Not many people go there. And yeah. she won't know about the unspoken rule of you'd stay away from that side of the beach. That makes sense, yeah. I, I love the little exchange we get between Gunga and a couple of the... I think it's... Is it just with um, Garnet, the, the little exchange of, um, oh, we don't we don't need to eat food. Oh, you kids and your experimental diets. <laughs> we are, I'm infinitely older than you. Like, it's this nice clash between very friendly, personable Gunga, who's like, yeah, I, I want to try and, you know, be friendly mm-hmm. and personable. And Garnet's just like... Here are my matter-of-fact answers. This is the information you need. You are incorrect. Let's do the conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very kind of just like going through the motions of it. It's kind of also kind of like Garnet doesn't like feeling like she's been patronised. I do yeah. think that as well. There's almost like a slight bit of annoyance in Garnet's well, voice. It's I like, think, don't uh, patronise me. Yeah. I'm the older one here. I think that's a bit of ruby shining through. Yes. Just kind of <laughs> like, don't you start with me. I am way older than you, woman. <laughs> um... <laughs> So everyone gets to have their lovely moments of bonding over volleyball and we get nice bits of characterization. Um my my favourite being Kiki, if you touch that ball, you're grounded. <laughs> I think that's a nice line because it shows that he's starting to loosen up. He's starting to have that fun. He yeah. can have humour. Well and... he laughs, doesn't he, when she's yeah. like, God, that's cheating. He's like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's he's he can be grumpy, but I I think Kofi is lovely. <laughs> I noticed one thing that was cool is that Stephen paired them up with people who were very like themselves. Yes. yes. They kind of start getting along because each one bonds with the other one. That yeah. yeah. Like with Garnet and Kofi, they are both very competitive and the mm. leaders of their respective groups. And mm. they put them against teams where they're, the things that annoy them about the other person are the same across groups. Yeah. Yeah. So like the things that annoy Garnet about like Pearl, for example, would be the same things that annoy Kofi about mm-hmm. um, Kiki. They pair it up nicely. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that I really liked about that as well is that Stephen pairs himself with Gunga. And yeah. I think that's kind of like, oh, well, she's the oldest and the most useless of the groups. No, I... That's how I thought it might have been, I, like the way he did I, it. I got a different read, which is um, let's pair people with... with 
like their weaknesses, let's pair the person who's oldest and wisest and knows the much uh, most with me. I'm a bit useless. That's fine because I'm oh, like, okay. oh, that's a good way of looking at it too. I it's like, like that. I've got powers, but she knows what she's doing, so we'll pair us together. I saw it, and from a completely different view, so we <laughs> all have different views. I saw it being that. Stephen put himself with her because she's also the one most enthusiastic about them all getting along. <gasps> oh mm. yeah, that's yeah. really good. Because she's as well. also the one that wants to kind of have a nice time. I think time. you're the one that's hit the nail on yeah. the head there. <laughs> yeah, I think you are right there. Um, so the the giant pufferfish comes back and we get the beautiful line: "Protect the pizzas," <laughs> which, <laughs> out of context, still seems like a thing that that Stephen would shout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we eventually see. We see a big similarity between Gunga and Stephen, which is Gunga is the resourceful human making use of all the group's strengths to yeah. create an ingenious solution mm-hmm. that gets them out of the situation. And she does the thing that Stephen is really good at, which is getting everyone to work together. Yeah. yeah. Like that training mission that he was sent on when um, Garnet's like, oh yeah, and I see you got your teammates to fuse. Yeah, the harmony. It's, yeah, it's the whole thing I- of like creating... A peaceful environment where everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. I feel like Gunga is where Stephen should be ending up as a character, mm-hmm. which is the as a little do... old lady. <laughs> I would be totally up for little old lady Stephen. Um, but making use of what makes them special by being human in the resourcefulness and the things they have available, and working out how to overcome an insurmountable threat through working together and being resourceful of what's available. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the peak of where Stu- Stephen's human side could end up. Yeah. Because... Is Stephen's human side could end up like Gunga. Mm-hmm. I agree. I like that. Yeah, because that's how they defeat it. Yeah. They've already tried it on their own with all the powers, and that's not what did it. Yeah. It was when they introduced the human element and mm-hmm. they all worked together that they were able to do it. Um, do we have anything else on 18 that we want to bring up? I, just as a final comment, I really like how Pearl, when told that she's unbanned, says, where were we banned from again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's like so unconcerned by it. Like, oh yeah. Well, Pearl finds eating disgusting. Like when they're invited to, uh, not, what's her name? Connie. I tried to say Stephen's yeah. house. I forgot which one was which. Um, when she gets invited to Connie's house and they all like fuse as one giant gem (laughs) because then that is the reason they end up unfusing because she's like no don't put food in my body I don't want it of of all the gems (laughs) that would be unfazed by being banned from a restaurant it's going to be Pearl that doesn't care that she got banned Um, so yeah if that's the end of that one we'll move on to 19 Rose's Room Mm. um so Stephen wants wants the gems to do his thing, you know. Hey, I ate a bunch of corn, <laughs> mini golf. I did like that. These are the golf clubs that we saw in Greg's storage locker. Yeah, earlier. hooray! <laughs> consistency. Between it's a very episodes. boring thing to come back. I know it's a very interesting, but I just kind of thought that was a nice nod. One thing that I thought was interesting is that. It's kind of a way that Stephen isn't getting the attention that he probably should be getting as a mm. child. Is that he's eaten four cans? Five. Of... He had four, didn't he? I thought it was one for each of them. I'm not oh, sure. four would make sense. Okay, it, it doesn't matter. He's eaten far too many. Yeah, but he he didn't just have cans of cream corn. He ate them from the can, unwarmed up, just straight from the can with a spoon. Yeah, and it's kind of like 
he's a kid, he really shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> but to him, that's his interpretation. Yeah. Like, this is how you eat food. You just open it up and just eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's interesting that he wants them to do something with him because he can't go and do the missions with them. He's, he can't mm-hmm. go and spend time with them on their terms. So he tries to create a situation in which he's got a, a mission yeah. that they can go on. Yeah, we, we've got an excuse to do this now. We have to use yes. these coupons. Um, so uh, he then goes and plays his mini golf JRPG by himself. And mm-hmm. can I just say I would totally play <laughs> mini golf, mini putt the RPG. I want that game. I love how he's totally just on an N64 as well. Like, they haven't tried to create the generic oh. console. It's literally and just... And it's like Pokemon. Yeah. The mm. way that it works, it's like, oh, the windmill attacked. They they switch his consoles a few times, but it's always yeah, very clearly, GameCube, like, he's very clearly got a GameCube and an mm. N64. He's he's very Nintendo branded. His <laughs> um, brand loyalty to Steven. Yeah. I, I do... I do love that secret ending stuff at the end as well with Project Flog, but that's golf backwards. It's such like a video gamey thing. Like it's yeah. so melodramatic. I was thinking, is this a sign? Like, like, is this the first time we get of Stephen kind of maturing in that he gets upset that he can't do what he wants? Kind of like a, it's like he's getting like preteen rebellious. Yeah, he. And that he's kind of like, no, I want to do this thing and I am important too, therefore I should be able to do this thing. I think it is a time when he's like, no, this is important to me and you're annoying me that you're not respecting and this is important to me. I I think it's really interesting seeing how unaware the gems are of of their own behaviour and the effect it can have on Stephen sometimes. So when all the gems get back, this was my read on the situation, is the gems don't trust Stephen to come on the mission. They won't let him come on the missions with them, but they're still more than willing to be like, hey, our mission was so cool. Pay attention to how cool yeah. it was. It was so cool. Ah, oh, aren't no. you sad? You didn't get to see it. It's so cool. It's cool, right? Here's the thing we brought back. Here's it's, how it works. Yeah, like, bit of serious chat for a second. Like, this is... I don't live with my, my biological dad. This is the kind of shit he used to do that made me really annoyed with him, where he would be like, hey, here's this cool thing that I have that you don't. Ah, show it off at you. And then... Like, that's an annoying thing to do in a parent-child relationship because mm. it's the, hey, you don't get to interact with this thing, but I the, the cool thing that, that happened to me and no paying attention to the kid's side where what's making the kid interested and excited. Yeah. And that fosters a really unhealthy parent-child relationship. Yeah. So I cannot blame Stephen for the anger that he exhibits after that. Yeah. See, I had, like, a, a kind of side note of... Um... The thing that happens to Steven is kind of what happened to me when I completed Metal Gear Solid 3. Mm. Um, after your story, though, this now seems really frivolous and stupid. But... Oh, no, go ahead. I'm really sorry that I made I made mine sound like oh, a big no. thing when you got yours, too. <laughs> it's just, um, it was just an amusing point that when I finished Metal Gear Solid 3, which I would have been uh, like 12, 13, 14, yeah. around that age. Oh, tiny like, me up. <laughs> I wasn't like a tiny kid, but I wasn't like, you know, an adult. Um, but yeah, I got, got to the end of the game, was incredibly into this like storyline. And my parents kind of came in and were like, oh, we want to watch TV now. And I was like, okay, let me just watch the end. And they kind of were just like talking amongst themselves. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, this is the end of the game. Like, I'm trying to find out what's happening. Like, why is he crying? What's going on? Yeah. And I, was, I remember feeling like annoyed being like, <laughs> I remember, I remember actually. I'm sorry, this is like almost No, go time. ahead. I remember that, I think it was like my mother or my dad like snorted when one of the characters said, um, 
like the boss you know the character the boss yeah. and that really annoyed me because i was like no like don't you understand this is like a really important moment of the plot and she's a really important character like this is important to me but yeah. to them they're just kind of like ah oh, this is ridiculous and yeah. it reminded me of that in this scene in that steven's like this is important to me yeah and they just don't care yeah it's they never think to stop and ask how are you doing Stephen, or what's what's this thing oh okay we'll, we'll be quiet for a second i'll let you finish yeah it's just like it's, your thing's pointless yeah, your Who thing's cares? pointless because we did this cool thing and we're adults and our thing is more important yeah. um adults are jerks yeah which i don't blame Stephen for wanting his own space mm-hmm. and i think that's why it kind of stings that when he the room like his gem glows and the room opens up they refer to it as his mother's room, yeah. not as his. Mm-hmm. And it's another thing that plays into that whole living in his mother's shadow. Because, like, that's now his gem. It's physically in his body. Mm-hmm. His body has a gem in it that opened that door. It's like, no, that's not your room. That's your mother's. Yeah. It's Rose's gem, Rose's yeah. room. Rose's gem, Rose's room, not and your gem. And it's also like Rose's room. shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything, it's like, oh, it's Rosie's da-da-da. And it's kind of like, no, it's Stevens now. Yeah. You need yeah. to learn that it's Stevens. Um, so I like when he's first in the, the magic room and he realises he has his ability to, to, you know, magically make things appear. Um, he gets to see the end of the game and it has the fantastic ending line of the game. Saving the day is just par for the course. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is great. Um... So, I'm just going to say this now. The multiple levels of dream sequence trope, kind of overdone. Oh, the it's, inception. Yeah, the, we're like, still dreaming. Oh no, we're still dreaming. Like, it's it's a go-to that every show uses. One thing that I do like about Steven's room mm-hmm. is that it's perfect for Steven. Like... He defines himself and is different from the gems in that he is very creative in his solutions. Mm. He has a very good imagination and comes up with these amazing solutions to these problems that no one else would think of. So to have a room that's entirely based on what he's imagining it to be, I think is one Observation. Um, one touch I do like that you don't usually get in these, these examples of like, oh no, you imagined the space too big, now everything's a bit uncanny is that Onion doesn't seem uncanny because he's so uncanny anyway. Yeah. His usual oddness and lack of communication mean that when he's vacant and uncommunicative, he just seems fine. Yeah, kind of works. I yeah. just love how Stephen's like, I'm just going to leave this here and puts the donut on his hair. <laughs> um, I think the first point this episode started to really creep me out. Uncanny Frybo. Yeah. yeah, just kind of staring blank. Just yeah. putting the bowl of the 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 fry bit, uh, the the bits mm. on top of the bits, and they just re- replace the ones that are already there. Yeah, that's oh, uh, I don't like it. Well, like what we're kind of getting to is that the room is giving Stephen the things it thinks he wants. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you always go here and you get the bits. So it's like, here's the bits. Here you go. It's stretching it's... itself a bit too thin. Yeah, it's almost like it doesn't have the kind of, for lack of a better word, computing power to make yeah. it realistic. Well, Pearl says that, yeah, doesn't she? Yeah, it's what she says at the end. At the end, Pearl says it's not meant to be able Create to... Whole town. Yeah, it's, like, oh, it's... it can't handle that. It's, it, it made me think a lot about, I think it's Rick and Morty that has an episode that's almost identical to yes. this, where they're all trapped in the computer simulation and there's not enough computing processing to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Rick and Morty's te- 
a tweak on it where there's a human in there that just doesn't realise that it's not real because everything goes his way. Yeah, it's just it's everything that he wants. Yeah. Um, so, I had a thought about Greg. Is the reason that Greg is able to be emulated quite as well as he is for quite as long as he is because he's a bit dumb and doesn't require quite as much computing power to replicate? <laughs> I figured that it worked using Stephen's imagination and because Greg is who he cares about a lot, it focused on Greg's personality traits rather than other people's. I, I like that thought. That's probably a nicer thought than Greg is a bit dumb. <laughs> Again, I have a slightly different angle on it. My interpretation of it was that what Stephen wanted at that moment and how he sees Greg is Greg is the person that's like everything's fine, here is the kind of nice, relaxed words of wisdom that you want to hear to feel better. So the room basically just regurgitates kind of friendly, comforting phrases. Oh, what's that sentence? I, I don't know if any of us wrote it down, the one where it like spats off a bunch of bits of sentence that don't make <laughs> yeah. sense. It's the one that comes after where he's like, um, the important thing is you told the truth. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like, oh, well, what's really important between all of us is friendship, happy values. <laughs> Family, relationships, and it's just kind of like, okay, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about something that should probably be left to the end about the whale. I thought you were going to think mm. so. Before we get there, is there anything we want to talk about before we get to that? Um, Just really quickly, I feel like the room tricked Stephen, even though I know that he has the control over it. It feels like it tricked him because he was like, oh, I want to leave the room and get a donut. I took that to be kind of the room taking it literally again. Yeah. The it's... room being like, okay, you want to experience the experience of leaving the room. Here you go. Yeah. It's had he walked to the door without saying anything, he would have left. But it was the, I want to do this thing. And the room being like, oh, that was an I want request. Okay, I'll do the thing that you asked for. That was my interpretation. It's another example of gem tech taking things literally. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we should probably get to this then, I suppose. The whale has Rose's voice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I never picked up on this before this this viewing. Me uh, either. What is it that the whale says? What is, do you want, what Stephen? What do you want, Stephen? Or what is it that you want, Stephen? Because he said, this isn't what I wanted. Yeah, what do you want, Stephen? And that's very clearly his mother, and I don't know what to make of that. I was the same. I was just like, holy crap. That is clearly Rose's voice. It could be just as simple as it's her room. She designed it. Did she design it for Stephen? And the idea is she made a room that's like, this is the room where Stephen can go and the room is designed to give him whatever he wants. So at the end, the room's kind of like, I'm trying to give you what you want and you don't want, like, you're not liking it. What do you want, Stephen? Kind of in the recorded voice that it's prone to do. I do wonder how much of it is that, because it's not Stephen making any conscious choice to picture his mother's voice because he doesn't remember his mother. She was dead by the time he was born. I... Do wonder, is is it meant to imply that part of her is still able to communicate with him from within the gem? Is that going to be a thing that's Possibly. eventually going to happen? Because that's, without Stephen having ever heard it before, that is her voice. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a thing that's interesting, and I'd love to hear if anyone listening has any good theories on that, or if there's any, like, interviews or anything that talk about it, because that whale is Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anything else on this episode? Um... Just really quick about the whale, just mm. a random thought that no, just popped into my head, is that 
everything else he creates is kind of like true to the colours that they are, but the whale is pink. Yep. Which is oh, Rose's colour. That's a good point. Yep. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, Rose is the whale. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there is a kind of basic kind of artificial intelligent version of Rose that's running the room. And I think that's kind of what we see later on when we see Rose's room way in the future. Well, my thought when we see Rose's room way in the future is that Stephen has since then seen seen video of Rose and heard stories about Rose and that he it was basing itself on his mental picture. Okay. That's how I took it. But again, differing opinions are welcome here on the Crystal Clodcast. <laughs> um, it's one of the reasons it's so good because you get to talk and be, see different perspectives yeah. on the same well, like it, thing. It's that nice we that we all have different opinions. It would be a yeah. boring podcast if we were just like, this happened, this means this. It does. Moving on. <laughs> um, so yeah, if we're all good with that, we've got one more episode to talk about mm-hmm. today, which is episode 20, Coach Stephen. Woo! Um, so this is the first time we see the communications tower disrupting the TV, which is yeah. comes back later, because we get that with the whole, um, the first time we see Star- Sardonyx is this same communications tower. Um it's our first time seeing Sugalite. Mm-hmm. And probably only time because she's voiced by Nicki Minaj and they did not want to pay Nicki Minaj to come back. I am not aware, but I imagine they have that spoken about why they hired her. Because it seems like an odd choice from an animation perspective um, to kind of hire someone who's going to cost a fortune. Uh, I might be wrong on this, but I believe the example was they wanted her for a like cameo role because they wanted to have lots of cameo. They initially wanted lots of cameos from music people because there was going to be like they had plans for such a strong musical connection with the show okay um they didn't realize quite how much of a problem that would create and also Nicki Minaj kind of blew up in popularity shortly after this and her first appearance as I understand it wasn't as expensive as future ones turned out to become there was nothing in the contract then that said this is how much it'll cost if we want you to come back it's a one-off I believe there was an advert on Cartoon Network where they like they used a clip of her voice and they were like, "Do we have to pay the artist for no, that?" That's in, yeah. that's or is the, that in an episode? That's in the Sardonics and um, it's uh, the, like the Fusion One Hundred One episode. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. What's, what's the fusion between Smoky uh, Quartz? It's a Smoky Quartz Sardonics room where Sardonics uses a clip of Superlight and then goes, uh, "That was a clip. Do we have to pay?" No? Okay. Um, oh yeah, that's it. I just remembered that being a thing of them being like, do we have to pay in, for that? In terms of gem fusions that can't come back, Sugalite makes sense to be one to not bring back because she's shown throughout this episode to be unstable and mm-hmm. there's justifiable reason to not fuse into her. Yes, that makes sense. Um, so I love Amethyst freaks out about how she gets to fuse with Garnet. She's, she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. One thing that I wanted to mention that happens just before that is that Garnet, in order to say it in words that Stephen understands, says it's hurting television. And Stephen starts crying going, no, don't hurt television. I like television. (laughs) Garnet is much better than Pearl at being like, here is your reference point for why you should care about this thing. Um, So I think a really important thing about when we see this whole fusion thing happening... Pearl is desperate to become sardonyx with Garnet. Like, mm-hmm. she is desperate to, like, us two should fuse 
and we can destroy the tower and it should be us too. And this really comes back into play when Pearl starts later in the show giving herself excuses to fuse, to re to redestroy this tower. Mm. A lot of seeds mm. are planted here for that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That whole like the desperation to become sardonyx and how good Pearl feels fusing with with Garnet. We also get the like amethyst conversation in that later episode about um, it feels so good to be fused with you. We get to be so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, that comes from here. Like this episode sets up that later one yeah, so absolutely. well. Um, fusion as an allegory for sex. Pearl covers Stephen's eyes during the sexy lesbian crotch diving fusion dance. And blushes as well. Yeah. As if she's watching something. And Stephen's like, I want to see. So, like, the elephant in the room is clearly not entirely 100% of the time meant to be taken as a sex metaphor, purely because of the fact that very soon we're going to have the fusion between Stephen and Connie, and that would be a bit (laughs) weird and creepy Mm -hmm. if. Like, it's sometimes works as a sex metaphor. It sometimes works as a general intimacy metaphor. Yeah, or relationships. Or relationships or consent. But it, it's a multi-purpose metaphor. Is this the first time that we have actually seen the gems fuse into someone else? Uh, we saw um, them. Att- we saw Amethyst and Pearl attempt to fuse. Yeah, yeah. But it's the first um, time we've seen a successful fusion. Yes, because yeah. when they did successfully fuse, they did it off-screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is the first time we've seen a fusion dance successfully pulled off. And again, Stephen's not supposed to see it. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, this is the episode, like, okay, Sardonic, uh, Sugalite goes a bit off the rails, destroys everything, Pearl runs back, and... One thing I want to quickly yeah. say... Go ahead. Um, the reason Stephen gets injured is because Pearl is too busy being annoyed at Sugalite to protect Stephen. Yeah. Mm. Yes. She's kind of raging at Sugalite, being like, oh, you know, you're making a mess. This is this is unnecessary. Right next to her is Stephen, who then gets hit in the face with a rock because she's not paying attention yeah. to Stephen. She's too self... kind of. She's dealing with herself and her own feelings and her anger. Well, Stephen had the ability to protect himself. He just didn't think to. He has a shield and a bubble. Well, he doesn't really know how to do that yet, though. I don't he doesn't seem to know how to do it on command at this point. He's only done yeah. it twice by accident so far. Well, no, didn't he do it on purpose during when the, the popcorn bucket is attacking? I saw that as an accident. I personally. saw it, like, because um, even as far forward as Do It For Her, he accidentally bubbles them when Pearl's Hollow Pearl appears to start the fight with Connie. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, sorry, that, that's a reaction. Like, I can't control that and he has okay. to focus to bring it down that, again that's fair um so this is the first time we get a real song that progresses the plot yes i really like this song too we finally get strong in the real way <laughs> and um we we me and Retta sang sang along with that mm-hmm. while it was going probably much to mia's uh irritation <laughs> no, irritation I, I just chose not to sing along why do you have to look up to her aside from in a literal sense <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that song is fantastic in that it's we get two warring perspectives of the same words used to mean two separate mm-hmm. things in two separate styles in order to progress the plot and show the different interpretations of one point by two characters. Yeah. It's really nice. I also like the line where it's very clear that Pearl is jealous. 
Yeah. I'm telling you for your own good, yeah, don't think about Simon. She likes to believe she's above such petty things, mm-hmm. but she clearly is not. Um, so, I. Why have I written down the word decades? Oh, Greg, uh, how long he's been out of his existence? <laughs> yeah. Days, weeks, months, years, <laughs> decades. <laughs> Oh, Greg. Greg. I did like the when they actually start working out. Stephen does the thing that everybody does when they go to working out, which is that he goes completely overboard and then the next morning can't even move. Yeah, yeah can't even get to the front door. <laughs> which I have done whenever I decide I'm going to work Everyone out. Everyone does, I think. Um, One thing that I like is that Stephen thinks that Sadie and Lars are married, which is a very innocent and childlike interpretation that he can see they like each other. Yeah, people who like each other get married. Yeah, of so it's kind of like, oh yeah, well, then if you guys fall out, then you get divorced, and the kids are like, last, just like, we're not married. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think like Stephen knows they're not married, but it's just his shorthand for like, oh, you two love each other. <laughs> um, I I like that the the fact that the song occurred is acknowledged. Stephen clearly sung that song. Yeah, it's always kind of weird in animated things when there's a song. Like, is this taking place in universe? This time the song... Yeah, because Lars is. is like, no, you just stood there singing a, a weird song. Um, it's like, did, did he just sing that all day then? Maybe. Um, I, I like that this is our first example of fusion where negative traits are amplified. Yeah. Yes. Because, uh, how did I put this here? Um... The fusion of Garnet and Amethyst is a combination of knowing everything and feeling inferior in spite of that. Um, that Sugalite has something to prove. They feel like, I'm not good enough and I know everything, therefore what I believe about myself must be right and I've got to show everyone how powerful I am because that's how I prove that I'm not how I see myself. Mm. And you get... Trying to prove value through smashing stuff. Yeah, it's almost kind of like, almost like a bullying kind of attitude. Just like just smashing everything. Yeah. Just there's no consideration for anyone. I else. won't seem worthless if I smash everything. Exactly. Yeah. Look what I can do. Um, we we get a really nice look into fusion here as well, in that mm-hmm. there's something that Pearl says. Uh, you've been fused too long. You're losing sight of yourselves. I picked up on that too. And what is it? What is it? The Sugalite says in response, "It's I am myself," and it's that thing we get later on of, okay, you might be losing the component parts, but this is a new person. Yeah, this absolutely. is a distinct, separate person, and the fact that you're no longer the two components doesn't mean invalidate the new thing that you are. Mm-hmm. I agree. It also felt um, kind of, again, insulting towards Garnet. Because it's kind of like, yeah, well, yeah. you're losing yourself. You're not that. your two people. You yeah. are one now. Because sure, surely, like, Paul should be like, oh, it's okay to be fused for a long time because, you know, Garnet does it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my interpretation of that was perhaps it is a gem thing where the longer they're fused, the... the how am I trying to word it? I'm thinking when Opal breaks apart, it's a very kind of simple thing that causes them to break harmony yeah. and I'm wondering is the longer they're together the less that can break them apart if that makes sense Probably, do they become yeah. more in sync with yeah, each other yeah that's what I'm trying to get at do they become more in harmony well, the longer they're together and therefore the harder to break apart the negative attributes becoming more in harmony with each other so you get a more 
more locked in negative fusion would be a bad thing. Yeah. Whereas obviously Garnet is a stable is a relatively stable fusion mm. where the positives are amplified and I think with Garnet it's because the two components are opposites. Yes. In that one's really angry and kind of acts on emotion and the other's really level headed and does things because mm. she can predict the future and things and when they're together that kind of evens them out. I wonder if it's almost um, an analogy for a relationship. Almost like yeah. the longer you're in a relationship, generally the the more likely you are to just kind of stick together yeah. and start integrating together and everything that you do. If that relationship is toxic, you want to you know stop that earlier rather yeah. than later. Exactly. Because the be longer you leave it, it yeah. it's harder to get yeah. out of. Yeah, and the more you become that toxic couple rather than those two individuals, mm-hmm. and you hurt everyone around you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that analogy. Yeah. I like that. So, <laughs> a thing I really like about Stephen here, and I think is the culmination of something that's been building up with Stephen for a while, is Stephen pushes Pearl to stand up to impossible odds like a human. Yeah. It's, this is an incredibly powerful fusion. You're on your last legs. You're being defeated. Don't give up. Why would you give up? You can do this. Mm-hmm. Be like a human. Believe you can still do this, even though the evidence says not. Which is what we've seen Stephen do through the whole series. He also does the thing he's, he knows he's good at because his dad says to him, well, you inspired me to get exercised on, so you did a good job even though you didn't exercise yourself. I liked that. Like, Lars tries to put Stephen down for, oh, you didn't do anything. You were just, you know, singing. Yeah. But Greg's like, no, you did really good. You cheered me on and I did better because of you. Yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't pick up on that at all. But yeah, Stephen... Stephen does do something of value that he learns, oh, I do have abilities, even if I can't be the one to save the day, I can be the cheerleader on the side that, like, convinces you to do the thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's valuable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go, Stephen. Woo. Uh, anything else on this episode? I do like Liza's final comment of just, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. like, throughout all this kind of, the fight that takes place between Superlight and Pearl and kind of all this craziness is going on. And it's like, Liza and Sadie are still there for this. Yeah. <laughs> he just can't process it. He's just like that. Okay. It's, it's one of those things that I think you can only get away with that line at the end of an episode because you don't have to follow it up. Mm. Yes. If this took place a few minutes earlier and like Liza's like, what's going on? You, you would have to have characters explaining to Liza what's actually going on. Yeah. With the final moment, you can just end on, isn't it amusing that the humans just observed this crazy thing going on? Isn't this the first time that we see Pearl have, like, a proper weakness? Like, her emotions Mm. are her weakness and she shows her flaws in that she's kind of like, I'm not good enough, and she just breaks down and gives up. She's like, I'm not good enough to do it, so I'm not going to try. I I feel like part of it is in Stronger Than... uh, In... um, what is the sword fighting one? I always forget the name Do of that song. Her. Do it for her. I feel bad. I forget the name of Do It For Her every time. But in Do It For Her, she talks about the fact that she entirely sees her value in her ability to defend and to lay down her life to protect others, particularly to lay down her life to protect Rose, who is now in Stephen. She doesn't feel like she can protect Stephen from Sugalite. Therefore, she's willing to give up because she feels like she's failed to do the one thing she's meant to do, protect Rose's gem. Mm. And it takes Stephen to be like, no, don't give in to the fear that you are not good enough because, like, you know, sure, you are worried that you maybe can't save me. Just keep going. Keep fighting. You can do this. Mm. I believe in you. (laughs) A thing that Rose probably never did. Yeah. 
One thing as well that I liked is that when Sugalite breaks up, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I realised it sounded odd the way I phrased that. But um, it's garnet and amethyst. Not They don't like split to the three components. Yes, yes. because it is the... It's garnet and amethyst who have fused. Not, yeah. It's not it's a, a not fusion like of all three ruby of them and sapphire, yeah. sapphire and amethyst that's fused together. Which yeah. potentially could be a different fusion, maybe? I Potentially. It would, it would take on some very different form. Like there is something very specific about ruby and sapphire. Like we are a, we are the two of ourselves plus something else. Mm-hmm. Then adding amethyst. So I think you're right. Maybe it could be something different. Well, just my interpretation. Obviously, um, if ruby fused with amethyst, it would be something. If ruby fused, um, ruby fusing with sapphire makes garnet, but it's sapphire fused with amethyst. That would be something else. Yeah. So if you get these three and put them all together, would it be the same as? Ruby I, Sapphire and you know you see what my I mean? gut is to say it would be something different. I feel like yeah. it would be something different because I, I feel like you get. I think that Garnet is a fusion that is the com the combination of not just Ruby and Sapphire but their relationship dynamic, hmm. and I think that if you got the three of them on their own and just mixed them all together, that would be different than the mixture of Ruby and Sapphire and then yeah. Throwing amethyst. I agree. I think you're right there. Um, anything else? No, that's me, Dan. I just have that um, one of the things I like is that when Pearl realises Stephen got hurt and she's worried about Stephen, Stephen is also worried about Pearl. Like, because um, Pearl's going to the front and shouting and he's kind of like, no, just come mm. on, let's just leave. Let's leave them to it. And they're both kind of trying to protect each other. Yeah. So I think it's kind of a development of Stephen's character in that he's kind of like, no, I have the ability to be able to protect you. Let me protect you. Yeah. He's mm. no longer the one just being like, I'm not good enough to take part in this. Yeah. He's, he's actually kind of part of the fight. Yeah. Uh, so with that, that's probably a good place for us to wrap up mm-hmm. for this episode. So thank you very much for listening to the fourth episode of the Crystal Clodcast. Now, before we do self-promotion, as a brief heads up, Next episode, we're only going to be talking about four episodes, not five, because there's a character arc coming up that we don't want to split a couple of episodes apart. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're going to do four episodes next week and then back to five the week after. So uh, look forward to that. Um, yeah, we should do self-promotion. Retta, where are you on the internet? I am super retar on most places. And <laughs> um, Mia, where are you? I am Omia God on Twitter. I'm also on Patreon at Mia Violet. I also have a website, which is miaviolet.com. Hooray! Uh, I am at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, YouTube, Patreon that pays the bills, whatnot. Other than that, you can find us all at Crystal Clodcast on Twitter. Thank you very much. Bye. Hee <laughs> hee.